The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right. There's lots to talk about with our next guest, who also happens to be one of our favorite guests. A new survey reveals that the cost of college and university is taking a toll on the finances of both students and parents. Uh, it's called the Student Debt Survey. It was conducted on behalf of FP Canada, which works towards fostering better financial health for Canadians. It shows that more than 80% of you with kids under 18 plan to help your children with post-secondary costs. And it also means that half of you will likely have to postpone your retirement ah ah think about that kelly Keane, of course a personal finance educator and author joins us now in studio hi kelly jaylen it's always so great to be with you nice to see you thank you for this pleasure Um, there's lots to talk about uh right now and and it's funny as um (laughs) as core stocks dropped over the past Mm. couple of days there's been a lot of talk um just about what that means for some people who might be using it for different things or or whatnot i know i went and checked on it today i'm like ah okay i've got to put off a a couple of things but whatever retirement is on the minds of a lot of people and i know a lot of my listeners planning for that dealing with you know helping your kids i'm guessing that you weren't surprised by this I wasn't surprised by the the level of support. We did come out with a survey a couple of years ago, a very similar one. I was surprised at the number, like the percentage that it was that high of parents wanting to help their kids out. Um, yeah, 50% postponing uh, potentially retirement, yeah. a, a little over 40% having to postpone paying off debt. Uh, and w- what was really surprising about this survey, though, was that two-thirds of parents are not aware of the financial support out there to help put their kids through through mm-hmm. uh, post-secondary education. So, uh, but I have to tell you, when we came out with this one a couple of years ago, oh my gosh, there was so much conversation across the country of how much should you help your kids? It, it, is that in their best interest? Mm-hmm. And Jalen, as we've talked about before, at Christmas time, at different times, that a lot of people that cannot provide the help, those are the ones that so desperately want to give the gifts at yeah. Christmas or want to help their kids out. And then, not not always, but a lot of times when I talk to the parents that have more than enough, it wouldn't hurt them at all to p- entirely pay for their kids' education. They're like, no. Want to teach them? No. That, you know, they go, yeah, I worked hard for this, and they're going to have to do that, too. Well, does it make a difference, right? Do you choose, uh, do those kids maybe choose studies that they're going to get a job right away coming out, or do they take their time, get yeah. a few? Yeah, and know. I know that's not what you're, you know, I'm not going to ask you your opinion on <laughs> that, but because, you know, I think that there's, that that is an interesting conversation, yeah. though, about uh, helping your kids out for school. Does that come along with being a parent, or right. uh, is that part of the responsibilities and the duties, or do they, the kids work towards it? You know, that's, that's a really interesting one. I'm going to bring that up later okay. uh, on, on the show. So one of the things is that there are there is help out there for right. folks. Let's let's go over some of that. Okay, great. Thank you. Because yes, it underscores the importance of people are like, well, how do I know if I can help my children out or not? And you won't know unless you have a financial plan. You really are not going to know. So you need someone like a certified financial planner <laughs> that's going to sit down and crunch the numbers because, uh, and we've talked about RESPs yes. on your show before, registered education savings plans. Now, stats cannot 
also revealed that there, Canadians are leaving thousands of dollars on the table because only half of parents are actually using that juicy uh, or taking advantage of the juicy um, tax uh, um, savings grant when you invest in the RESP, okay? So um, you won't know, and, and so the advice always is, make sure you get those dollars in early, let compound interest work for your mm-hmm. kids. Well, I'm not a parent, but I know all the parents I talk to. When your kids are young, you don't have money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're upgrading your house mm-hmm. or your car or whatever. So that's great advice, but it doesn't mean that you've got the money. So first, let's just kind of unpack that a little bit. So if you're looking for a certified financial planner, you may say, well, you don't have any money to invest. Mm-hmm. And those folks are only going to see you if not only do you have money to invest, but you have a lot. Yeah. So yes, that's true. There are those, but there's also CFPs that charge by the plan, by the hour. Okay. You might want to engage in them to help you kind of look at stuff like, should you be paying down on the mortgage, your high interest rate debt, maybe putting money into an RRSP, taking the tax deduction to fund the RESP, okay? Ah, okay. So all kinds of, like, so you would know this. Now, some of your listeners are still facing really hard times. It's tough in mm-hmm. Edmonton, Alberta, and they may be going, really, are you talking about that? Like, I've got creditors calling mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. whatever. Then you need to reach out to a nonprofit credit counselor. We've got money mentors in Alberta. There's some other great ones as well. And they're going to help get, get you a different kind of plan of how to get out of your debt. Mm-hmm. So important. Don't suffer alone. You do not. I can't tell you how many people email me, call me, especially after your show. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm going to try to get, they're going to try to get themselves together before they go to talk to the bank, before they try to negotiate a better interest rate on their credit card. They think they have to figure it out when there's people to figure it out for you. Those RESPs, I know uh, we had them uh, for, for the boys. Yeah. which was great and I think it's uh, it's parents grandparents do you have to yes. be related like I, like I couldn't set one up for my goddaughter could I like do you know oh, the, I don't I, know it, the do goddaughter you, let me find that out and I'll tweet it later today okay. but yes there are family plans that um, you can set up and contribute to so grandparents can contribute yeah. things of that sort uh, if you have more than one child you're not quite sure if yeah. one is going to go to school or not that's okay they can share within that family plan and you can have more than one plan, let's say like you can have one with your financial planner, one with your bank, just as long as you're not exceeding those maximums for the grant and for the amount that you're allowed to put I in. I mean, they come in, they come in handy yeah. if you can't do it. Um, we have a grandchild on the way. <gasps> what? You're too young. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe? Yeah. And we, as we've discussed on, and we need to come up with another word for grandmother. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, and you know, that's one of the things that, you know, we've already started to talk about because we know awesome. that somewhere down the road, that is something that we want to do. But again, yeah. you start looking at, okay, how much can you afford? But that goes back to the financial plan and kind of 100%. everything else. And I'm guessing, and you're, you always talk about budgeting and knowing where things are and what things are going. Um, and it kind of goes back to, I think some of your spring cleaning as well when it comes to financials. Um, When you sit down, can can someone, can you find someone that can break that all down for you, can help you put together a budget, can take, say, okay, this is how much money I've got coming in. This is where we're spending it all. Can you show me what to do? Yeah. Does that go back to the financial planner? Absolutely. Now, you can do something yourself as well. And you can vow today to do it. I make my husband and I do it at least <laughs> twice a year. It's what's called my anti-budget. Mm-hmm. See, I don't like budgets because I think they're restrictive in the sense that they're like diets. People that are great with budgets are great with budgets. They're, yeah. They have little spreadsheets my- and all that. My stepmom, yeah. <laughs> and, but 
people fall off the wagon. And if someone's going to come in and tell you, you know, you can only spend this much for eating out or what have you, and not to say budgets aren't, there isn't a place for them, but as a starting point for the next 30 days, just track everything you spend. Mm. It's a huge eye opener. You can use one credit card, one debit card to do it, but you got it. You also need to dig into your finances. What's your cell phone plan costing you? What's the interest rate yeah. on your credit cards? And then at the end of 30 days, you, you make your categories out, see where you can trim the fat and you would be pleasantly surprised we are every single time there's stuff we're wasting money on i'm not saying um don't spend but it's about choice it's, it's about choice and awareness not sacrifice where's your money going and then you can figure it out from there and back to this study again um you know students are being left you know kids coming out of college and university trade school whatever it is yeah. can often be left i know i was left um because i had uh it was osap back then okay, in, yeah. in ontario the, the Ontario Student Assistant Plan, and it was originally a grant that was given to me, and then they changed their mind like afterwards, and it was a loan, so everything had to be repaid. Wow. Um, and I can remember years, and this was years after the fact, um, I, like I graduated in 91, I got a phone call at my office in, in Regina in 98 when they switched this around saying, you know, you've got to pay this money back. It was craziness. Wow. Um, and I got first off ticked off that you called me at work because it went to a collections right. thing, right? That's, it had it all privatized anyway. But like my, and my brother taking his education degree, he pretty much paid for everything. Mm-hmm. People are coming out with big, big um, payback. So if yeah. you're a student, if you're a student and you've just graduated yeah. uh, and and, and you're trying to find that job and trying to pay this off. What do you what do you suggest to them? Yeah. I mean, that's what that for them, they really do need to understand their budget. They need to, uh, you, you know, it, it's it's kind of that buffet at, of life. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to choose at that buffet? Are you, <laughs> uh, I chose at a very early age to buy a condo mm-hmm. that I could not thoroughly afford. So that was my big, I yeah. filled up my plate with that. And if someone would have sat me down and just said, okay, if you choose to fill your plate up with that, that's going to mean no trips. That's going to mean, you know, less time with your friends mm-hmm. and family. I had a student loan debt as well. So it's just comprehending, like, what is it that you want from life? And there has to be some give and take. And then uh, the big takeaway would be as well, is if you've got student loans and things of that sort, make sure you go and talk to a banker, build a relationship, talk about what other options exist. Can you pay that off? Or I, think, get a, I think people are afraid to, though, at 100%, a young age. 100 That's why it's so important um, th- that at critical milestones, parents take their kids with them. You don't have to disclose your mortgage mm-hmm. details, mm-hmm. but take the kids to the bank. You don't have to disclose what your, you know, what your investments are, but take them to see the planner. Like, take them to see these people, even if they don't use them, mm-hmm. they find someone more their age or what have you. But um, these people are in business for your money, to help you get out of debt, to help invest your money, to help give you money. They're all, they have totals. Like, they want your business. Why would we be intimidated by them? I know you had tweeted uh, earlier this week that it's never too early to learn. How are you teaching your kids about money? Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about that after this. Personal finance educator, author, TV host, you name it. She, she just about does it. Kelly Keene joining me in studio. Don't laugh at me like that. <laughs> uh, Kelly, uh, some more questions coming in yeah. about uh, the RESPs. And, and um, some folks wanted to know um, if you could explain some of the drawbacks to an RESP. It says, yes, there are some matching funds available, but depending on what type of post-secondary education, an RESP might not be available and you only get your money uh, that you... Uh, you only get your money that you put 
back that you put in back out. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, yes, there are, and I don't have the list. Uh, uh, Canada.ca, you can okay. go and check it out of what the qualifying schools are. But sure, there are some schools that don't qualify uh, abroad. There's some mm-hmm. schools that don't. Go, so all that um, you won't know that if your child's five or six. How do you know if they're going to go? Yeah. Um, you might want those funds to help your child to buy a home and not go to school or to start a business or what have you. But yes, you can take them back. You can put them, roll them into your RSP if you have the room. If not, there's tax that has to be paid on it and you don't get the grant. That has to be paid back. So there are there okay. are drawbacks. I mean, by all means. So some parents have a strategy of saving on the side uh, and saving into the RSP. I guess it depends. Some parents are pretty adamant that their children yes. will go to school yeah. and, and they're going to be doing this. But yeah, they're interesting. Okay, some, some of these texts um, said, uh, you know, I'm currently 27 years old. I had my son two and a half years ago and we've been putting away $50 a month ever since he was born. And now that my daughter was born, we upped it to $75 a month with the grants and the interest. We have uh, $2,500 nice. already saved. Um, so even a little nice. adds up. And I think that some people, and it doesn't matter what kind of things that you're saving for or whatever you're doing. I think some people think that you have to put in big bucks right away. Absolutely, yeah. $25 a month, $50 a month does huge things. Now, here's also something as well. Let's talk about what the RESP also is. People think it is the investment, like a TFSA. I hear all the time, that's a horrible investment. It's only paying 2%. I see my bank advertising it. These are garages. So the RESP, RESP, TFSA, these are all garages. You still have to park cars in that garage. Mm-hmm. So don't just throw money in the RESP and not know what it's being invested in because if your child's five or six, you've got tons of years yes. to take advantage of maybe something a little bit higher risk, maybe something wouldn't be comfortable for your retirement. And people say, well, I don't want to risk my kid's money. But mm-hmm. if you've got 10 years or 15 years, and again, seek some professional advice for what those cars should be, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, yep. but don't ignore what's in there. So the first step is open the thing up. The second step is find some money to put in it. And then the third step is is watch what's in there. And then the fourth, Jalen, is watch the fees. Yes. Watch the fees yes. of all your investments because that can really erode what, your hard work. You know what, Kelly, when you switched from you know the job that you had before yeah. into becoming an educator and, and, and being an advocate for financial literacy, um, you know, that, that must have been a big move for you. And I mean, you you travel North America now. You, you're all over the place, you know, talking about this sort of stuff. Do you still pound your head against the wall um, when you hear that, you know, people are, are, are afraid to talk to a bank or talk to a financial planner, that they are that they are unsure of what they're doing with their money, or just the, the, the lack of knowledge of, of financial literacy? I mean, it, it must seem like an uphill battle for you. Uh, it, You know what? I don't bang my head against the wall because I feel for Canadians. I really do. The financial industry has not always done mm-hmm. a very good job of um, speaking clearly, making people feel comfortable, making them feel confident. I think they're doing a better job. I think there's a lot of great organizations. I think that uh, the financial community is trying really hard, but it's overwhelming. I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but, um, you know, I hurt my back a couple of years ago. What do you do? Like, do you go 
to the chiropractor, don't you? What questions do you ask? How do you find one? We just put things off. It's overwhelming. So sure, my world, I think it's all common sense, but it's not. <laughs> and then you can talk about your bad back. Yeah. You can talk about a lot of things. You can still not talk about um, your lack of knowledge. It's embarrassing. I mean, we, we, you know, we laugh about uh, not be, being good with numbers or, mm-hmm. or caring about it. But so financial literacy, it can be a bit funny. But would we laugh if we couldn't read or write? Mm-mm. That would not be Mm-mm. funny. So something that so fundamentally affects your life. I just want people, my mission is for them to feel good about money. But if you take the money away, I want them to feel good. Because mm-hmm. if you don't feel good, you're not going to take any step to go and see a banker, to call the 1-800 number at the back of your bank card and just say, hey, you know, uh, maybe you're having a tough time. Maybe you need to skip a mortgage payment. Maybe you just uh, need some help understanding something. That's hard to do. And then if you've been burned by someone, mm-hmm. as a lot of people have, <laughs> or they've been sold or they just felt um, crummy after they met that person, then they, they just kind of say, well, that's just it. That's how it is. Or, or they resign themselves to say that, you know, I, I had to go through five chiropractors till I found the one that worked for me. But you need the confidence to do that. And I get it's hard. That, that's an interesting point because... Um Oftentimes, you know, if we go to a doctor, it can be a little tricky now trying to find a uh-huh. GP or what, whatever it is. Just because it's the first person, maybe it's a therapist, maybe you're having some mental health issues right. and you can go to a therapist and you can sit down and, and maybe it doesn't click. That doesn't mean you have to stay with that person. Exactly. And we have to remember that um, for, you know, when it comes to our money as, as well, whether it's a financial plan or whatever it is. 100%. And uh, I want to direct your listeners to a website, financialplanningforcanadians.ca, what they're going to find on there's all kinds of great articles and videos and stuff but importantly questions to ask the financial person you're interviewing mm. or you are standing in front of or even if you've been with them for five years you don't know if they're an Earl Jones or a Bernie Madoff yes you do have the right to say and go through those questions say I was listening to Jalen's show and you know I never interviewed you properly who who regulates you hmm. who oversees what you're doing what are you licensed to sell oh you're only licensed to sell this so that probably Probably means you're not going to re- recommend that because you're not even licensed to sell it. Now, I know this all sounds confusing and overwhelming, but as soon as you at least just start paying attention to, like getting on the scale, you just get on the scale. That's the first step with your 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 health. Don't look at me. No, I'm not looking at you. <laughs> I do it every single day just to remind myself, right? And it's the same thing. You just get on your financial scale and mm. weigh in where you are. Now, maybe next week you read the, uh, you know, the business section of yep. the paper, just kind of start to, to understand to a little bit. And, and then you open up that RESP and you put the 25 bucks a month in and, and yeah, you see the six, 700 bucks and you're like, wow, that's doing pretty good. Maybe I should see what that's invested in. You see how it kind of gets the ball rolling. And you can do this even if you're swimming in debt. You can still open up something and put 25 bucks a month in regardless. Like these little baby steps, we, we really negate. We think that they're not going to, to take root, but they do for better or for worse. There was uh, some questions coming in about retirement. also want to get back yeah. to uh, the kid thing and about, sure. uh, you know, uh, t- it's never too early to take your kids, that sort of stuff. We have lots to cover yet. You're going to stick around for the next half hour. If you have a question for Kelly, you can text me at 630, 630. We'll take a break here. Kelly Keene joining me in studio this afternoon, a personal finance educator. Her website, kellykeene.com. Indeed. Kellykeene.com. Lots of great information there if you ever want to check things out. And she's written, I don't know, 110 books already. (laughs) What are you on? 
Just finished 10. Just finished 10, and it's coming out now, and they're always great resources uh, as well. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Kelly, uh, oh my gosh, that break was long, and we had talked about a number of things going into it. Um, Retirement um, and putting money away from that, and I had a conversation with someone today who said, you know, one of the difficulties, they had put some money into RRSPs, but they were Mm -hmm. still working over 70, Mm -hmm. and then they had having to cash some of them out and pay tax on things as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was really frustrating. Absolutely. So you, at the the end of the year of the age, at age 72, uh, you have to convert to a RIF. It used to be 69, or excuse me, maybe it's 71. I will, I will confirm that. Haven't looked at those numbers recently. Um, and that's the thing. Always be checking. Yes. <laughs> these things are changing. Uh, so the RRSP is fantastic for um, deferring your money, for ensuring that um, you, not ensuring, but you generally get a tax deduction when mm-hmm. you put it in based on your marginal tax bracket and everything else that's going on. But yes, there is a reckoning. You will have to pay that tax. Eventually, the government is going to force you to take it out. And if you plan to be working into your 80s, yeah. or, or what. So if you're listening right now and you're 55, 60, this is the time to really think about should you keep contributing to that? Should you be going more into the TFSA? What is your spouse bringing in? Do they have a pension? Don't they? Again, coming back mm. to that, the importance of the financial plan, which encompasses the retirement plan, big, big factors, because here's something else. It's not just the tax that you're going to have to pay, let's say, potentially, if you're still working. You may now lose your old age security because you get clawed back at a certain amount Mm. based on your income. So should you start taking it out earlier so you don't get clawed back? You can see how this is complex. Mm -hmm. You need software that can do these projections and and, and people that know exactly all of these details uh, and and, and the tax laws. So important stuff. You bet. Um, Can you ask uh, Kelly... Is it beneficial to withdraw CPP before the age of 55 or 65? I'm 61, recently lost my job. Don't really need to withdraw now and may not find, but uh, may not find an equivalent position. Right. So if you withdraw, you can, generally your CPP, you take out at 65. If you take it out, you can take it out as early as 60, but you're going to be, you're going to get a lesser amount Mm. that's going to be factored in. So it lasts just like if you took it at 65, if you wait and defer it and take it at 70, because maybe you're still working, same thing you're going to get more. So you're really not getting more or less. You're just getting the larger or lesser payment. Now, should you, it all depends on your cash flow and things of that sort. If you absolutely need it, Mm -hmm. then yeah, that might be a great resource for you. Um, Again, depends on on what your cash flow is. Uh, Yes to all the young people plan now for your retirement. I didn't. Unfortunately, retirement for me is when I die. Yeah. And you, we've talked about this and, and I know that you have said it's never it's never too late to start putting some stuff away. And in, maybe in some cases, you know, this guy feel this person feels like, like it is. Um, I, I was pushed way back because of a number of circumstances and I honestly didn't start um, doing any retirement planning or a big deal of it till just about seven years ago. Mm -hmm. So I was 40 years old, right? Uh, And now slamming as much as I can uh, (laughs) as as possible uh, in there. And, And sometimes you sit back and you look and go, Oh my gosh, what I could be doing with that money, but knowing that it's it's got to come down there. But so if, if, if people are 40 or 50, Mm -hmm. um, still do it, put some stuff away. This is the time that really, see, everyone thinks everyone else has it together. (laughs) This is the, 
problem. If, if I can give everyone one message, people do not have it together. And really, the reality is, when I was in the financial industry for 12 years, so many people came in saying that to me, like, is it too late? And I'd yeah. be like, most people have not really effectively or or with gusto like you're saying yeah. really started till they're mm-hmm. 40 or 50 think about it you've got the mortgage and everything else so yeah it's of course that's not too late uh this text and this is a bit of a long one it says kelly we invested in real estate rather than resps when our kids were young and then tried to invest with financial planners when our kids were teens the financial planners wouldn't give us a second meeting or return our calls once they looked at our investments and found out our cash was tied up in real estate mm-hmm. it was very frustrating now our kids have student loans and it's not worth selling our real estate because of the poor economy what other options should we have taken? Okay. That I heard time and time again. Again, when I was in the financial industry, I was on the board of the Edmonton Apartment Association for exactly that reason mm. because there uh, was a lot of people would reach out to me saying, if you've got real estate in your portfolio, financial people don't want to talk to you because they're not making a commission off of it. So at the top of the show, we were Mm, talking about the difference between a certified financial planner. Now, I'm not just talking about advisors because we were talking about planning or a fee-only certified financial planner that charges by the plan or charges by the Mm -hmm. hour. So they don't sell any products or services and they're going to give you an unbiased plan based on... So for example, a blind spot for that couple might be, do they, and I'm not advocating this, but have they looked at life insurance to cover the capital gains on their their rental properties because let's say god forbid both of them passed away so if one of them passes away it's going to pass to the other spouse tax free Mm -hmm. but now your home goes tax free okay so this is outside of your home this is a rental property if both spouses are gone taxes now owing right now from the time that you bought it to the appreciated value minus a bunch of different yeah. stuff. Uh, so some people, it's best for them to consider life insurance if their health is good and all that to cover those costs at death because they don't want their children to have to fire sale exactly mm. now, let's say in a down market because they have to pay the taxes. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that's a strategy but for them, but it's a at. blind spot that if they sat down with a good professional might say, hey, let's at least run the numbers and see if that's something you should consider. Might not have even thought about it. Hmm, this one, uh, Don wants to know, what are your thoughts on buying life insurance for young children? Oh, the thing is, there's no good or bad investment. It's what's good or bad for you. So the pro of buying life insurance for your child, let's say, my mom bought a life insurance policy for me when mm-hmm. I was young, and but there were limited investments back then. So she bought this little life insurance policy, kept throwing money into it. Uh, I think the fees were too high on it. Um, and some life insurance policies, the fees are very high. You really have to check in. What is the commission you're paying for the person selling it to you? Uh-huh. Do they only sell life insurance? And that's why they're selling you that. But the, the thing that is great about buying potentially life insurance for your child is if they do develop an illness later on in their teens or in, in their adulthood, they have this policy that's always going to pay out um, depending on the kind of policy, if it's uh-huh. term and it doesn't expire. So this is where you've got to dig into the details. You've got to dig in to just like those RESP plans when the RESPs first came out and you couldn't buy them at a bank or with your planner or advisor. Mm -hmm. They were these like pooled things and if your kids didn't go, you lost it and it went back into the pool or was eaten up by fees. 
please. Yes, you get lots of check marks and stamps on your, your, your financial card for doing these things, but make sure you're reading the fine print and you understand what you're buying, what the fees are, and if you don't, get a second opinion. Fine print is a, an interesting conversation. There's uh, there's only two people in the world that I know that mention <laughs> fine print, um, uh, and that's you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Julie Matthews, who used to be the troubleshooter at Global yep. Edmonton. She, she's the one that both of you will sit and read the fine print. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of folks um, that are often surprised. We were talking with uh, a travel agent yesterday, a travel specialist, talking about even just like travel insurance, mm-hmm. knowing what mm-hmm. that's all about and making sure you know you read the fine print and, and know exactly what you're covered and talk again, make the phone calls right. beforehand, ask some questions. Well, do it for that because maybe it's, oh, it's travel and it's fun yeah. and we're going to do this, but we're not doing it with our money because I think sometimes we're, we're afraid to... Um, have a spotlight shone too brightly on what we're doing or what we're not doing. Oh, you make such a good point. I know it when it comes to finance, like we get it with health that it's a process, not an event. Like you can't eat the salad, go to yeah. the gym once and just go, oh, it's done. <laughs> but with our finance, we still haven't got that it is a continual process. And it's okay if you don't understand what you're reading. And it's okay to not sign on the dotted line if that person made you feel dumb or if they didn't f- fully explain something thing and you still leave going, mm-hmm. I don't get it, don't sign. Mm-hmm. Go and get, like, I can't tell you how many people, especially my last book that I wrote on avoiding fraud, identity theft, and mm-hmm. investment scams, and this woman writes into me, she has no money, she's never invested, single mom, um, she's going to renew her mortgage, she just got divorced, she's just praying that the mortgage broker is going to yeah. approve her, she gets approved, and then the mortgage broker uh, says, hey, I can approve you for another $150,000, and if you invest with this guy, and, and it's it's paying for the payments and everything. Long story longer, as you can imagine, she lost everything. Yep. She would have just paid maybe an accountant a couple hundred bucks or a certified financial planner a few hundred bucks, or I don't, maybe it would have been 500 or a thousand, whatever. She would have not lost $150,000. Yeah. Uh. Like, but I'm not saying read the fine print and try to figure it out yourself. I can't figure out that stuff. I'm always yelling at banks and, and organizations <laughs> and stuff going, if I can't read this, yep. how can someone else read this? Um, so don't feel you have to get it. It. But if anyone's making you feel uncomfortable or dumber, that is get out a of huge it. red flag. Just say, you know, I got to think this over, find some excuse and, and get some help. We have a few more minutes with Kelly Keene right after this. Before we let uh, Kelly Keene out of this studio, um, we had talked a little bit about kids and money earlier on, and I was I was telling you off the air, I had talked about it on the air when it happened, when I first saw it a couple of weeks back, there's a school, I think it was down in Windsor, that actually teaching an adulting class to kids. <laughs> yeah. And one of those things were, were some basic finance stuff, you yeah. know, uh, checks, balances, you know, budgeting, that sort of thing. And I know you're a huge advocate for that. Absolutely. I was actually in Toronto recently. There was a day in April. It was the third Wednesday of, of the month. Um, every year it's called Talk With Our Kids mm-hmm. About Money Day. And you can Google this. Talk With Our Kids About Money Day. They've got 8,000 teachers involved across Canada. It's so cool. So I saw all these little kids. It was like uh, in the financial district on the, the, the top level of the Scotia Tower. And these little kids have these like little poster sessions about should you rent or should you buy? <laughs> and what will minimum wage get you in Toronto? And how do you make money on YouTube? It was so encouraging to see these conversations 
conversations about kids actually learning about money because I needed an adulting class mm-hmm. when I was a young <laughs> adult. You? A lot of adults still do. <laughs> so um, it, it's encouraging, but we have a long way to go. A lot of schools are mandating financial literacy, but if the teachers don't know what to teach, how to teach it, how to be engaging, it's, it's really tough. Um, what can parents do on that front? You mentioned taking yep. them to the banks, that sort of thing. Um, what can they do outside of that? Yeah, and a chartered professional accountant study came out uh, a few years ago saying that of all the ways kids want to get educated, schools, government, organizations, number one, they said their parents, parents, but their parents don't know what to do. So you just start with teachable moments. Like you're at the grocery store and you teach your kids to look at the receipt and make sure you didn't get overcharged mm-hmm. like my mom used to meticulously do and I hated <laughs> that. And I still have to force myself to look at the receipts. But I can't tell you how many times I've been overcharged. You know, yeah. Maybe again, you're not comfortable showing them the mortgage statement or your investments, but the cell phone bill comes in yes. and they see you go, wow, this is a little out of control. Or, you know, and, and they see you call up your provider and say, look, I've got my cable, my internet mm-hmm. and all this. What kind of deal are you going to give me? And they see, see negotiating and, and all that type of stuff. Too. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, hey, get some old fashioned cash yeah. <laughs> and use cash and give them a little history lesson and yeah. all that type of stuff. Right? Interesting. Okay. Uh, before I let you go, yeah. um, some spring cleaning, some some tips. Which, what should folks be doing right now financially? Okay, you should be scouring your home for uh, any kind of documents. So if it's uh, six years or older, uh, you can start to shred those okay. unless they're supporting something like a, a realist, uh, like a rental property, something of that sort. Scour all of your bills that are coming in for fraud, especially your bank account statements, your credit card statements. There is no set date of how long you have to report fraud. I'm finding this out. Really? Yes. Some banks are saying 30 days. Some are 60 days. I'm actually on a consumer protection uh, committee with the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. There, I mean, this is something that's in the talk, but it's, it's not uniform. So you need to know how long you have. So if you think just checking your statements every three months is good enough and you don't mind being out if a fraudster has sucked something in. So scouring your statements, shredding stuff that's old, keeping stuff though, if you're self-employed that needs to support it. Find your passport, find your social insurance card, lock these things up, know where they are. Uh, if anything comes in literally with your name and even your address, people are like, I don't need to shred it. I can toss it. No, there are dumpster divers mm-hmm. collecting your information, um, you know, and then just figure out like, do you need a safety deposit box? Are you missing documents like a will, power of attorney? If you have aging parents, uh, if you have an aging spouse, uh, maybe they do not want to be resuscitated. Should that be on the mm-hmm. fridge? Just looking at your documents, looking at your life. Spring is a great time to do that. Mm. Uh, of course, getting a pro if you need help to get all of that in order. Um, but and, and some of those are tough conversations. You you talk yeah. about you talk about uh, wills and you talk about you know insurance. You talk about um, uh, what are they called the 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 DNRs and yep. stuff like that. Personal uh, directives. Personal directives. Mm-hmm. Those are those are tough conversations really to, tough. to to have, but. Again, it's one of those things, the more that we talk about it, mm-hmm. um, the more the the easier it gets. And they're yeah. important conversations. I know coming up, I want to do, I want to actually get a bunch of people in here. I want to have a panel right. kind of, you know, it, not that, you know, I don't think, of course, death is a is uh, it's a tough subject. But I, I think that, you know, there are things that we can talk about mm-hmm. that can help and maybe, you know, talk about shining a spotlight on some of the things. And maybe it's the, the DNRs, maybe it's the personal director, the wills, whatever it is. Um, I think that that would go uh, a long way oh. to 
getting other people to talk about it. Absolutely, yeah. And it's a difficult time that we're all going to have to face, and it makes it so much more difficult if you thought something was set up this way. I can't tell you how many people think that a power of attorney is the same as an executor, mm-hmm. an executrix, and they're shocked when all of a sudden, or vice versa, or what have you. So, Or the power of attorney document is locked in the safety deposit box, and the person <laughs> doesn't even know that they've been named power yeah. of attorney. How are they supposed to get into that safety deposit box? to prove that they're the power of attorney. So it's not even having these documents in place in the conversations, but then communicating it with your family, having a binder. Like when I was in the financial industry, I'd have people crying, someone died, and they're wondering if they had an account with me or not because they had one of my business cards. So they didn't even know where the money was. It just makes that time so much hard. Some spouses, Jalen, don't even know if there was, if there is any money, if Mm -hmm. there's a life insurance policy or not. These are 43% of Americans, I I don't know if this is real stat or not, but I read it on a number of legitimate sources that don't even know what their spouse makes. Can you imagine if you don't know exactly what your spouse makes, you probably have not had other essential conversations, let alone relaying it to the family. Talk, talk, talk. And to find out more information, you can check out Kelly Keene's website again, Kelly Keene, K-E-L-L-E-Y, K-E-E-H-N.com. Lots of great information there as well. Uh, if you follow, if you're on Twitter, you can follow her at Kelly Keene. Thank you so much, my Thank friend. Thank you, Jalen. Always a pleasure.